Well, good afternoon and a happy new year to you all. Um, it's good to be uh, to have the privilege of uh, bringing God's word to you today. Um, I wonder, um, as it's new year of the last couple of weeks, whether you've seen the, that, that flurry that we always get of, of leaflets and emails and blog posts and initiatives and, you know, all that kind of thing. That, that are trying to tap into that sense of like a fresh start, that motivation we get at the start of a new year. I don't know whether you, you feel that, whether you've seen those kind of things. Whatever, um, yeah, whatever changes we want to make, whatever goals we're working towards, there's, there's something, isn't there, that, that, that wants to help us to do that, um, usually to make money. Um, but yeah, this, this phrase that, that I've noticed that seems to come up time and again, um, particularly over the last couple of years, is health and happiness. I've seen um, Slimming World leaflets that have come through the door, uh, recipe books advertised to me on, on Amazon, uh, multivitamins, organic skincare products, exercise regimes, standing desks. Everyone is promising me health and happiness. Um, and if not, then they're, they're wishing me health and happiness, which is nice, isn't it? Um, these things are kind of a, a deeper level than goals, aren't they? Health and happiness. Uh, these, these are some of the main things that our culture uh, desires and values. These are the things that we're pursuing most of all, and, and particularly so in a year where that, those things seem to have been taken away from a lot of us. And so we set goals and we buy products and services um, that, that we believe that, that they tell us will, will help us to pursue those things. I wonder if you've got any goals for 2021. Uh, maybe losing weight. Apparently that's the most popular one. A new, new skill or hobby that you want to learn. Promotion at work, maybe. A great holiday. Stronger savings account. All of these things, if we, if we think about them, serve our core pursuits of health and happiness. And certainly, those, none of those are bad things. But we know now, more than ever, that, that they're largely out of our control, right? They won't last, even if we do achieve them. But more than that, they just don't really get to the heart of who we are and what we were made for. So today, I want to encourage you to have one pursuit above all others in 2021. And it comes from Paul's command to the Colossians that we heard earlier. Set your hearts and minds on things above. As with any pursuit, there's a few questions that we need to answer, a few things that we need to sort of lay down. We need to define what the objects of our pursuit is. What, what is it that we're actually pursuing? We need some motivation. Why should we pursue it? How are we going to keep going with it? And we need to work out the, the means of it, the manner. How, how are we going to actually engage in the pursuit? So before we can set our hearts and minds on things above, we need to know what those things above are. What is it we're pursuing? The object of our pursuit, Paul says, is is the things above. And it gives us a couple of clues as to what they are. Um, if you've got your Bibles um, open, uh, have a look down at verse 1. 
Paul says, set your hearts on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. So notice that above is a place. And the important thing about this place is not where it is, but who's there. Above is where Christ is, um, where, he, where he rules, where he reigns. For Christ to be seated at the right hand of God means that he's finished his work. He's died the death he came to die. He's been raised to new life. And through the death and resurrection, uh, he's won the victory that he came to win over sin, over death, over Satan. And now Christ is enjoying his rightful place on the throne at the right hand of God. So above is the realm where the victorious Christ is ruling. And the things above centre on him and what he's achieved. So that's the first clue. Uh, the second clue we've got comes in verse 2. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. Do you see how Paul sets um, the things above and the earthly things in opposition to each other? And we've got an idea of what Paul means by earthly things from the rest of Colossians. Uh, let me just quickly give you a bit of background. So Paul uh, wrote the letter to the Colossians because he heard... Uh, that, that some teachers in Colossae were promising this new level of spiritual fullness through a strict system of, of rules and rituals. More than that, their, their main interests were basically impressing God, impressing other people, feeling good about themselves. They wanted to, to have experiences and visions, to, to have those emotional highs. There was... It, it was kind of an inward-focused religion, really. So these, these are the earthly things. Earthly means to achieve earthly goals. They're intrinsically self-centred and subjective. They, they focus on outward appearance. They miss true reality and the one who is at the centre of it. So when Paul talks about the things above, he means what's going on behind the scenes not what we see not what is visible but things as they actually are and things as they actually are is Christ reigning on his throne another way we might describe the things above is home if you've been here over the last sort of five weeks I think it is that we've been doing our Christmas series uh, you'll know that we've been considering this idea of home. Back in the beginning, God made for humanity a perfect home where we enjoyed his presence and his blessing. But we left that home. We chose to, uh, to rebel against him. And then God the Son left his heavenly home to come to us in the person of Jesus at Christmas so that he might take us back uh, into relationship with him, into our true home. And one day he will bring us fully into that glorious home where we'll see him and know him face to face. So I suppose this is, um, I guess, a bit of an epilogue to that series, uh, which answers the question of what we do in this kind of in-between time in which we live. We've got a new home, but we're not fully there yet. 
And the answer is we pursue it. If home is above where Christ is, then home is the object of our pursuit. What's our motivation then? Why should we set our hearts and minds on things above? Uh, the reasons come in verses 1 and 3. Well, it's one reason, really. Verse 1, since then you have been raised with Christ. And verse 3, for you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. Do you see what's happened to us? What's happened to you? You died and you were raised. Just like Christ was. He died and then rose again. And incredibly, when we trust in him, we are so united to him that his story becomes ours as well. You died with Christ. Your, your old self, your earthly nature, they're gone. I don't know if you can remember a few weeks ago um, when Rob was preaching, he explained to us that when Adam sinned, he broke the image of God that was, that was supposed to be in him. Instead of perfectly imaging God as humanity was created to do, that image became marred. And we are born in the image of Adam, in that broken image. We're sinful and selfish in our pursuits. But that old self has died now. It died with Christ on the cross. And now you have been raised with Christ. You have a brand new life. A brand new self, a remade, a remade self made in the image of Christ. Your earthly nature is replaced with uh, an above nature, if I can put it like that. You no longer belong to, to the set of earthly things, but you belong to the things above. So if that's where our true home is, as Paul says, then let's live it out you know if you if you move from a, a rundown old flat into you know the beautiful home of your dreams maybe you've won the lottery or you've you know got some amazing uh, great uncle who's died and left you this beautiful amazing house you know you go there and you stay there don't you you don't pop back uh, to your perky little flat for the odd night that would just be very strange so since earth is no longer our true home, we don't, we don't live as if it is. We don't live by its rules. Remember the earthly way of things, using earthly means to achieve earthly goals. That's, uh, I guess that's an attempt to do something in order to become something. Do some rituals to become acceptable to God. Follow some rules to make yourself look good in front of others. But Paul says this is, this is the total opposite of how it should be with Christians. Instead of doing in order to become, we become something. We've been made something in order to do something. We've been made new. We've been given new life and a new identity. And our calling is to live that out. We're not trying to, to be something. We're not, we're not trying to work ourselves up to something. But we are living out the true reality of who we are. We're, yeah, we're not trying to achieve something. 
it's already been achieved for us. It was a, yeah, a past event that achieved that thing for us. But at the same time, there is a hiddenness. Paul acknowledges this. There's a hiddenness to this new life. Look, look at verse 3. Your life is hidden now with Christ in God. I think there's something here about security. No one can take from us this new life. It's been given by God. It's protected by him. But it also shows us that the new life isn't always obvious, either to us or to those around us. It's often obscured by our sin. And, and just by the facts that we still live on earth, surrounded by earthly things, that, that, that glorious image is obscured. So that, that, that does mean we can be realistic about our limitations and our weaknesses. We don't have to be crushed by our failures. The true reality of our new lives is hidden for now with Christ in God. But that means we have to consciously choose to acknowledge it. It won't always be like this. Look at verse 4. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Your new life is hidden now, but one day it will be fully revealed. When Christ returns, he'll, he'll be visible, he'll be obvious to the whole world. And when that happens, since we're united with him, since our story is his story, what we are will truly be revealed as well. And it will be glorious. I know that's hard to believe. As we look inside ourselves, as we look around the room, that might be hard to believe, but, but that's what Paul says will happen. So we've got to set our hearts and minds on those things above. So how do we do that? What is the, what is the manner of our pursuit of home? I think it looks something like this. To set our hearts and minds on things above is to actively centre our affections and attention on our true home. To actively centre our affections and our attention on our home. You'll notice there's three A words in there. So let's, let's pick those out. Um, first, it's an active thing. I mean, a pursuit by definition is active, right? You, you can't have sort of a passive pursuit, really. Um, it requires us to do something. We can't uh, expect to sit back and just let it happen. The verb is set, isn't it? Paul doesn't tell us to, to passively allow these things to wash over us, but to set our hearts and minds on them. It's like if you're going for a serious hike off the beaten track, um, which is something that I don't really do. But uh, unless your sense of direction is, is sort of bare grills level, you're, you're going to need something to help you go in the right direction. It's not going to happen automatically. You're going to have to have your, your compass, your Google Maps, um, whatever you use. Maybe you've got an excellent sense of smell. Our affections and our attention won't default to the things above. We've got, we've got to actively do this. We have to work on it. We've got to, I guess, uh, set and continually reset our hearts and our minds. The heart then. Set your hearts on things above. Or if you've got an ESV, you might notice uh, that translation reads, Seek 
the things that are above. So this phrase, uh, to set your heart on something or to seek something, it's got connotations of, of desire, hasn't it? Of, of aspiration, of delight. It's to do with our affections. I, I mean, we know what it is to set our hearts on something, right? It becomes the thing that, that drives you. It's the, the center of your love and your devotion. Everything else takes a back seat. Uh, I want to take us briefly to Psalm 84. Um, we read it earlier. Uh, here's an example of someone whose heart is clearly set on the things above. So let's just read those first couple of verses again. How lovely is your dwelling place, Lord Almighty. My soul yearns, even faints, for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh cry out for the living God. Can you hear the sense of longing there? My soul yearns. My heart and my flesh cry out. Later on, better is one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere. Can you relate to that? King David, who wrote this psalm, longs to be with God, to know him, to be in his presence. There his heart will be satisfied. There he will be truly home. He's got, he's got a taste of it and he's desperate for more. Nothing else matters to him like this does. One commentator describes this as the very summit of Christian experience in this life. To be where Christ is should be our heart's desire. He's the only object worthy of our highest affections and our deepest longing. When we have it in part, we yearn to know it in full. The second command moves us from affections to attention. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. To set your mind on something is, uh, I guess, to be focused on it, to pay attention to it. It flows out of the first command, doesn't it? Where our affection is will largely determine where our attention lies. But we do need to make sure that we're paying attention to what God wants from us. If we look back in Colossians, um, if you've got it open there, to chapter 1, verses 9 and 10. Paul prays that the Colossians would be filled with the knowledge of God's will through all the wisdom and understanding the Spirit gives, so that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and please him in every way. So living God-honouring lives requires growing in knowledge of him. Uh, and knowledge comes when we pay attention. We strive to know him more so that we might live for him more. This is a work of the Spirit, of course, but the Spirit works through means as we listen to him speaking in his word and as we look to Christ as our example and our guide. There are plenty of things that might grab our attention instead, aren't there? Maybe it's what others expect of you. Your desire is for others to like you. So your mind is set on, on working out how to do that, how to make people like you. 
Maybe it's financial security. If that's your greatest desire, your attention is going to be on, on your money and how to make more of it, how to keep what you've got. I'm sure you know what, what those things are for you personally. That's just a couple of examples. We know these things are not necessarily bad, but they are earthly things. They're not suited to being at the center of our attention. Instead, our focus should be on the things above. Our new home that we now live for. This is going to require diligence and discipline. Earlier in Colossians, Paul comments that he is delighted to see how disciplined they are. We're saved by grace. We know that. But as someone has helpfully said, grace is opposed to earning, but it's not opposed to effort. This effort is put in uh, not to fulfill a requirement, but out of the overflow of our hearts. Our affection uh, drives us to work hard and to pay attention. Our love for Christ makes us strive to, to know him, to know what pleases him, to know what offends him. I'm not suggesting we all become monks and cut ourselves off and spend, you know, 12 hours a day reading the Bible. As we read on in Colossians, we see uh, what it looks like to live out a life where we're pursuing the things above. And it's not cutting ourselves off from people. It's the, the opposite of that. It looks like godliness in our personal lives, treating others well being united with our brothers and sisters in Christ, loving relationships in the home, a good attitude to work, and being a good witness to those who don't yet know Christ. So putting Christ at the centre actually enables us to do all these things and to do them well. And I think Warren Wearsby sums it up nicely um, by saying that our sphere of life is not this earth, but heaven. And the things that attract us and excite us belong to heaven, not to earth. This doesn't mean we should ex ignore our earthly responsibilities. Rather, it means that our motives and our strength come from heaven, not earth. So in 2021, whatever other goals and aims, hopes and desires you have, make relationship with Christ your number one pursuit. Since then, you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. Why not spend a bit of time reflecting on that this week and thinking about what it might look like for you to practically do that this year. Maybe you could discuss it with people in your house or with your life group. Uh, we've had some little cards printed with these verses on um, as a kind of verse of the year. Uh, I do have one here somewhere to show you. There it is. Uh, so do grab one of these on your way out. Uh, there's plenty of them. So if you need a few, um, do that. Uh, if you're watching online, uh, we'll try and get some of those to you. Your life group leaders um, will try and drop them through your letterbox this week. Uh, maybe you could um, stick one on your fridge or your mantelpiece or your desk or all of the above um, as a daily reminder.
health and happiness are fine uh, secondary pursuits for us to have uh, but done for their own sake they are earthly things and earth is not where you belong instead set your hearts and minds on things above where your true home is long to know Christ and make him at the centre of your affections and the centre of your attention this year. Amen.